Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right. Welcome. You may be seated. Welcome, welcome, welcome. First of all, I'd like to thank Pastor Jordan and Suzanne for this incredible opportunity to be able to stand before you today. It's an awesome place to be. Not everybody gets to stand here. We have seven of the most incredible pastors that you guys, you don't know how blessed you are. These guys pray over you. They love you. They watch over you. This pastoral team of the Rock of Gainesville rocks. And that's all you got for them? Yay. These guys are awesome. And I'm just the other guy. I, I've been here a while. Now, you're watching pictures of some of, the, some of the years, and, you know, I just wanted to kind of give you guys an idea. I, I've been in children's ministry for 40-plus years. I got involved in it because I saw where the money was really, really good. And, uh, <laughs> and realizing, yeah, yeah, the little dimes and quarters and nickels there. But um, I've been here uh, 31 and a half, and, and I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of memories. So I picked out some that I thought would be memorable, and yeah, y'all laughing at some of your kids and remembering. And you know what we do? We make memories. Do you guys remember an event in your life that made a difference? Do you remember who was around? Do you remember the things that took place? I do. I remember. I remember that in my life, for 18 years, it was a train wreck of events that took place on a continual basis. It's almost as if my family went out of their way to be super dysfunctional. Not just dysfunctional, just super dysfunctional. Let's, let's see how weird we can really be. And it just got worse and worse. And through a course of events, I gave my life to the Lord. And then I didn't like the way he was handling it, so I took it back. <laughs> and then I gave it back to him. And now he's wanting me to forgive people and love, and I'm going, no, I don't want to do that. And I took it back, like many of us have done. We, we get what we call saved, and then we give our lives to the Lord, and we go out and do something great like sin. How many of you good at sinning? <laughs> Never mind. But I asked the kids that. Boy, I get hands. I asked the kids, the other, how many sin this week? Every single hand. They just remember. But... The little church that we were part of was just kicking, going, and blowing. I mean, there was just great things happening. And the little denominational church that I was a part of, when I say little, I don't mean little as in bitty, little bitty. It was just a big church, big denomination, and they're well-meaning people. They really were. They really were. They just, they just didn't do it for me. Um, you know, we always use this excuse, and it's the only one that I've got. I'm, ADHD, I'm ADHD, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I got them all, baby. And so when you have that and you grow up in a generation that says children are to be seen and not heard. Now take this giant baby Ruth, go over in that corner and sit down. You might have any idea what I just said. You might as well hand me a stick of dynamite. I don't know how to be quiet. So the denominational church I was in was very quiet. I don't know if they were afraid they'd wake up God or what. But we were quiet and precise. And then all of a sudden I found out at this other church, and I went, whoa, what's going on down there? So I go and find out that they're having fun. Well, what I thought was fun, but I was told that's all of the devil. Don't go there. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. I was faithfully when I lived for the devil. I did everything the devil wanted me to do. I don't remember doing any of this stuff. Maybe something's wrong with this picture. So I went down, and you know what they say. If you stand close enough to the edge of the river, you're liable to fall in. Not me, baby. I jumped in head first. 
I took it for all it was worth. This is great. I mean, people are living for God, want to do something for God. I had no idea you could do that kind of stuff and have a, you know, a great life. And I remember our little church was, we had uh, seated 300 people, baby. Uh, baby, maybe. And, uh, or baby, maybe. And there were 300 people. And we had 600 people showing up. There was no two services. If your honey wasn't sitting on that seat at the 5 o'clock service, you didn't get in at the 7 o'clock service. I mean, that was just that tight. I, they would line the walls. It was just a unique time. Don't ever make the mistake of saying, oh, the good old days. Well, they were the good old days. Now, they're, now this is the good old days for us. This is where we are right now. We're right in the middle of God's presence. But I remember vividly one morning, I just thought everybody wanted to know about Jesus. I thought everybody wanted to know about how great it could be, loving God and living for him. I, I just thought everybody would do this. Well, apparently not. Uh, they didn't seem to want to get on board with me. So it didn't make any difference. I was still going to go. I'm, if you met me back in those days, I had a phrase, saved, sanctified, and rapture ready. How about you? <laughs> that gets annoying quick, but I meant well. But I remember the morning that our pastor stood there, and he pulled one of those old sales tricks on you. He's a good man. I love him. He's a great guy. But he would stand there with his hand and do his head like that. Now, if you know anything about sales in the old days, yeah, they would stand there, and they would nod their head. You, before you know it, you'd be standing there nodding your head. Yeah, you need this thing that you don't have any money to buy on a credit card you can't afford. You need this. Okay, sign me up. And he said, well, someone go back there, please, and help us with those kids. I see that hand. It was my hand. I raised it up. I looked around. Ain't nobody else going to do it. I got this one. I got it. Then an applause broke out. I thought, giving God the glory. Found out later, they'll thank God I don't have to do it. Somebody finally volunteered. So I got up, went back there, had my Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Bigger. Bigger the better. And I had my three-piece suit on. Now, back there in those days was a building that in the back, there was a double-wide trailer smashed together. If you don't know what a double-wide trailer is, they call them today mobile homes, or they call them modular homes, to give it a more fancy name. But back there, it would probably, you know, six people could live in it nice and comfortably. There were 75 screaming kids when I walked into that trailer. I thought I was going to die. I took my Thompson chain and walked in like I owned the place and have no idea what was after that because it was all one big giant blur. Found a couple of puppets a little bit later on. One was a lion, another was a one-eyed person with, blind, with a bald head, and he was Daniel. <laughs> I don't have a clue. I probably said, well, you know, there's that part of the Bible you didn't read where Daniel got his eye clawed out by the lion, but... And that's what we did. I have a clue what I was doing. I just talked about Jesus, and I just talked about stuff, and my creativity, and found puppets, and we did puppet stuff, and we just did stuff on a regular basis. And then I thought, you know, this is really not going to work for me. These kids are just unruly. They're just mean. They're, they're not like me. I'm just so calm and cool. And so I, you know, went to Bible school and, and got a, a, a certificate. <laughs> you don't get I, that's Okay, never I I didn't. Yeah, I got a piece of paper. It's about as useless. Anyway, anyhow, I got this. I learned how to talk about Jesus, the life and teachings of Christ. I learned about the letters, the Paulinian letters, what do they call them. Learned a whole series on the Holy Spirit. I have all the books in my closet there at the house. I, if you ever want them, I'll, I'll show them to you. I know less now today than when I started. And then I left there and went to Carlsbad, New Mexico, kind of give you a timeline that's kind of fast here. And while I was at Carlsbad, 
Uh, by the way, that's where Jesus spent his 40 days and 40 nights. It was in the wilderness at Carlsbad, New Mexico. There ain't nothing there, baby, as far as the eye can see. Biggest, biggest little insects I've ever seen in my life. And um, I pulled out a set of tape from the drawer. I was cleaning the office areas. And it's a little small office. Church wasn't big as a minute. We didn't have 38 people in the whole church. We did have, though, the world championship rodeo cowboy in our church. And he's a big tither. <laughs> he supported two full-time pastors in a church of 30-something people. I went, that doesn't happen every way, every day. And there we were, preaching and blowing and going. I did a children's ministry one, one day because I wanted to grasp the hearts of the children of New Mexico. And so I put on a clown's costume and all the makeup. It's 120 degrees. They don't have the same kind of heat we have here. They have what's called dry heat. You still sweat. It's just a little bit different. I had probably 30, 40 kids right in front of us. My wife was there. We were all going. We had this stuff. I had a, had a blanket across the front of the door preaching Jesus. The puppet was up there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a real genuine bona fide first I'd ever seen roadrunner comes right through the middle of these kids outside. They all jump up and ran. That ended that meeting. But I heard these tapes, and the tapes were from a guy named Willie George. He's the now retired pastor of Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In those days, he was known as Gospel Bill. And he was talking about ministering to children in a way that just rang my bell. Everything he said spoke to me. Now, I'd like to tell you that they were super spiritual stuff, and he had some insight in the Bible. No! How do you get kids to see what you're saying? He talked about one lesson where he took, <laughs> I've actually done this, and it was an eye-opener. You take a cow's tongue, a real one, and you talk about how God gives you a new tongue. And we did an operation based on the tapes that he had. I actually put a new tongue, not really, but obviously the kids thought I did, a new tongue in this foul-mouthed individual who came to church one day and got to give him a new tongue. Took a pig's heart, put a new heart in a man, took a rock out, we have this curtain there. You don't take a rock out. Boy, this guy's hard. He's so hard. His heart is horrible. We're going to put this new heart, a pig's heart, and put it in. Pastor Ed, that's gross. I know. But man, those eyes. We made memories. One vivid memory that I remember, and I, I haven't seen her yet this morning. I, I know she's probably going to hear this, but, but I remember vividly years ago at Camp Kalakwa, I did that very same lesson and Sandy Eaton was in the audience. First time I'd ever lay eyes on her. And I remember the eyes that she had when she looked at me like, I thought I'll never see these people again as long as I live. They've been here ever since. Look, great family. But what I saw was the fact there's an opportunity to preach the gospel to kids. Now, children's ministry is, not prob is probably not on the high priority of certain people's lives. I get that. I understand. But I started looking through scriptures, and this has been a long process, and this particular scripture jumped out at me, especially in the last several months because we're changing what we're doing with our children's ministry from crib all the way up to high school, and it's called Orange. You'll hear about that a little bit later on. But it's the one that we all quote, we all know it verbatim, kind of, and we quote it wrong, but we're going to quote it again this morning. I'll do the quote and you do the reading. It'll be up on the screen for you. It's called the Great Commission, Matthew 26, 16, verse through 20. And it says from the NIV, then the 11 disciples minus one went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth, pretty much covers the whole gamut right there, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very ends of the earth. I want to break this down for you the way I see it. You have to understand, put yourself in the disciples' place for a second if you would. For three years, they're walking with Jesus. Now, they didn't just start walking. Evidently, things happened, and they started following Jesus for three years. In their surroundings, they were under Roman rule, so they really did not have any actual freedoms. The religious church was corrupt. Pharisees were corrupt. You had your Sadducees. You had your Zealots, a lot of different... Uh, lots of things that were going on and all the taxpayers were being used by the Romans to skim money off the top for themselves, for the Romans, away from the, from the uh, uh, Pharisees, the people were getting ripped off, just bad stuff was going on and yet everybody just talked about God. They all knew the laws and the prophets, they all talked about them. And along comes Jesus and he starts saying things that they go, recorded, we've never heard anything like this before. This is real. How did he do that? How did he say that? Why did he say that? Can we get away with this? Not really, but that's what I'm thinking they said. So let's break this down. Let's kind of give you an idea of where we're going here. It says, number one, all authority. Instructions that Jesus gave to them. It says, all authority. Yahweh has authorized me to tell you something. Marching orders. Get up. Get going. Number two, here's the plan. I got something I need you to do. I'm breaking this down nice and slow because this is the way I think. Here's what he wants them to do. We take this word and we fly by it like it's not even there. Go. Well, for you and I, we pretty much know that means do something. So let's say do something. Move. Giddy up. What's it going to take for you to get off your good intentions and get over here and do something? Well, there's something I need you to do as you go. I want you to tell everybody. Now, in the Greek, the original word everybody means everybody. <laughs> and I want you to make a disciple. My question is, how do you make a disciple? I know how to make a cake. I know how to make a pie. I can make a bed. I definitely know how to make a mess. But how do you make someone do something? How do you get them to follow Jesus? We're going to make a disciple. That doesn't happen overnight. It just doesn't. A disciple. Question. What is a disciple? One who follows. That was just test to see if you're listening. My question to you is this. Why are they following you? What's real to you? Is an event, is a gathering or a relationship more real to you? Guys, I started doing something years ago. I do a lot of stuff because I think it's funny. <laughs> Why not? Might as well have fun. And I do stuff because I think that makes sense to me. I, you know, well, bless his heart to be with the kids too long. It just made sense. 
And so I started asking the question, what's real? What's really real to you? If I'm able to convey this reality, you're going to follow what I say because I've convinced you that it's real. I'm not trying to persuade you of something weird. I want you to know what I'm sharing. And so as I start teaching children, how do they hear what I say? Now, I'm saying words. I know what I think I'm saying. I'm not sure if you're hearing what I'm saying. You have preconceived ideas of this particular thing, and I get that. I understand it. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying hear me out. My question is, is what we're doing with people personal? Is it personal? Is, if it's real to you, it will be real to those who are listening to you. Here's the deal. Seal it. Seal the deal. Baptize them. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Submerge them totally in the love of God. It's not about a ritual. And it's not it's only about a relationship. Now, the baptismal part used to really confuse me. It made no sense to me. I'm being honest here. All the years I've read this, all the years I've done this, all the years I've even been baptized, it just made no sense. You've got all this stuff, and then you got this water thing going on. It just didn't make any sense. I want to say something. I'm not here to try to offend you. I'm not trying here to discourage you. I just want you to hear what I'm trying to say to you. I feel like sometimes that baptism, water baptism, and yes, I'm absolutely sold on the idea. I never think any child should ever be told they cannot be baptized. They, I have parents tell me, well, they don't understand. My immediate reaction is, neither do you. But baptism has become, in many cases, nothing more than a photo op because it is a, somewhat of a ritual that we go through. Never going to discourage that. Absolutely not. But that's really not what Jesus is saying here. And it didn't dawn on me until in the last year when it just hit me like a ton of bricks. If you want somebody to really grasp what you're saying, submerge them in what you're teaching in them. This particular area, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they need to be submerged in the life of the teaching of Jesus. How much more clear can I make that? The instruction is give direction because it's not about, listen to me, it's not about an event. Everything... He said, everything that I have taught you, everything means everything. How long does it take? I'm getting ahead of myself, and I apologize. Here's what it means to make a disciple. A disciple is not a con conference. It's not a seminar. It's not a weekend retreat. It's not about a book. Simply put, it's about a lifestyle, and it takes time to make a disciple. If you're going to make a disciple, it's going to cost you something, two major things. Number one, it's going to cost you time. And secondly, it's going to cost you effort. You cannot make a disciple overnight. I don't care how old they are. It just doesn't happen that way because there's some things that you're going to have to do. It's gonna, you're going to have to make an investment in someone's life. You're going to have to learn to be patient. You're going to have to learn to clean up a mess. You're going to have to learn to forgive. You're going to have to learn to forget. You're going to have to learn to love and love and love and love until you see the fruit of your labor. Three years Jesus poured into these guys. Three years he told them the kingdom of heaven is not over there. It's not over there. It's inside of you. They didn't get it. I've heard it said that heaven is your home. Again, I'm not trying to offend you or challenge you. I just want you to understand I don't believe that for a minute. Heaven is your reward. This is your home. 
This is where you get the stuff done. This is where you talk to people. This is where you, you confess and you forgive and you pour in. You do the do right here, baby. This is home. If you can't do the do here, you're not going to get to go there. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? This is the part that gets the stuff done. Now, in the Message Bible, I read this over and over and over and over again. Now, I'm going to read it to you. In the Message Bible, it says this. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had sent for their reunion, a predetermined place for them to go. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about the worship, about risking themselves totally. I'll talk about it in a second. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. And here's what he said. God has authorized me and deputized me. I know it doesn't say that there, but it sounds good to me. And commanded me to commission you. Go out. Train everyone you meet far and near in the way of life. Mark them by baptism in the threefold name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. It, I'll be with you as you do this. Day after 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 day to the end of time. Understanding this, as the disciples saw Jesus nailed to the cross, they saw their dreams and aspirations die. They saw the hope of being free from Rome die. Everything that Jesus said melted right out from underneath them. All of the hopes, all of the faith, everything passed away on that cross. They buried him. They went back to their homes devastated. Their world was rocked. And all of a sudden, there's a predetermined place for them to meet, sit by somebody else. We'll get, I don't have time to get into that. And when they show up, some of them just dropped. But the rest of them are like a lot of us. Yeah, I ain't sure I'm getting into this. Ah, yeah, look, I heard what you said. I saw what you did. But, boy, this is not in bargain for all this. But he was undeterred. And sharing with them, guys, you heard what I said. You saw what I've done. Is this real to you? Can you convey that to others? Go make some disciples. Now, I have no problem with going somewhere. I think that's great. You ought to go somewhere. You ought to go somewhere and some people that don't know you and go and share. But this is home. This is where we do the stuff. This is where we raise our children. This is where we teach them the things of God. This is where we teach them about goodness and forgiving people who we think are good but somehow end up doing something dumb. And instead of saying, well, you just need to go and box them real quick up inside the head, they'll be okay. That's not how this works. All of the memories, you know, it's so funny because the memories of everything that has taken place in this church for so many years, I just feel odd sometimes. I look into your children, some of you, and I see you. And I remember you. I'll tell this quickly and make it as quick as I know how. First time I ever laid eyes on Suzanne Barroso. I've never forgotten that. She came to me some years ago, and she was all excited because she wanted her daughter to be under Jam 2 and under what I did. Freaked me out. I am the face of what we call Jam around here. 
I wanted to create an atmosphere, a place that was the most exciting place in a child's life. The memories of my childhood of growing up and going to church were horrible. Didn't enjoy it. Didn't like it. Wasn't fun. Nothing about it interests me. So I thought, hey, until they tell me to stop, we're going to have fun. We're going to talk about God. We're going to play games. We're going to pray. We're going to do stuff. If, I've always said if a child has to cry about coming to church, he ought to cry that he can't come as opposed to cry that he has to come. And apparently recently a child whose name will remain nameless has proven my point when they found out we weren't having jam that day. You matter. Everything you do matters. You matter. Everything you do matters. Everything you don't do matters. When it comes to the things of God and it comes to church, someone's dependent upon you. You need to see yourself as significant and important and needed. You need to show up. You need to purposely make a difference. We have an incredible staff who do a lot of things here. And I can tell you honestly, every one of these guys, support staff through the pastors, have one goal, touch lives, see people rise above the circumstances and situations and watch God do great things in their life. The whole thing with Orange that we're trying to bring across to you is this. We want to partner Something that this church in 31, 32 years has never been able, not, not, not that we have never been able, I've just never seen this plan quite like this. I have used numerous curriculums in my 40 years. Curriculum is a curriculum. It's all it is. Somebody in an office sat down and wrote a program handed it to you and you had to pay money so that you don't have time to think. That's basically what it is. They show you what to do. They show you how to be creative. Uh, I'm very thankful for the fact that God wired me the way he did. Uh, because I've used a lot of that creativity to, to bring points across. And we've done a lot of stuff over the years. I didn't buy a curriculum. I bought a strategy. I didn't really buy anything. Pastor did his money. Uh, anyhow, the strategy of what we have an opportunity to do from crib to high school. Yasmin Hyatt came to me about a year ago with this whole deal, and I really didn't get it. Took me a while to get there. And between her and Heather Quarles, I see the big picture. I see the opportunity we have. I can't do this by myself. This face doesn't get any younger. And you know what? I'm replaceable. It's okay. We have the memories. Starting today, there is no more jam. It's now called TR Kids. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. We want to touch another generation. We want to be able to impart into their lives. The gospel never changes. It is the same. It is Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection, all done, said. That's it. The method whereby we present this message has got to change. We have to change. I saw when we were getting ready to, you know, we're building this building. We're going to go into a new program. We're going to do new stuff. When you buy a new car, you like that fresh smell. Kids, don't put your nasty shoes in my car. When we build a building, I promise you, somebody's going to say, don't put your nasty shoes on that carpet. I don't know. I'm just saying. But I realize we have an opportunity to make a change, and you are a part of this. It has, thank you, go ahead. That one person, I'm excited for you. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about us. It's not a me thing. It's a we thing. Every one of us has an important part that we can play. The tables that are on the back are there on purpose, not because we just, oh, let's just make it look pretty. We want to give you information, and this Wednesday we're going to equip 
you to understand what we're doing and how it works. Now, some of you haven't bought into it. I get that. That's okay. But everything I shared with you is about making disciples. And the way you make disciples is invest in their life. I'm supposed to warn you, I didn't do it in the first service. This is, will grip your heart. I'll be right back.
Every time I see that, I, I fall apart. <clears throat> well, I'm trying to talk, but nothing will come out. <laughs> Guys, you need to understand the significance. You remember where you came from. You remember your children. I have two children. I have seven grandchildren. I'm the last of the line of the curses of the Saxon family on my end. I made hard decisions and got blasted for it. Ridiculed and criticized, but I didn't care. I said, that stuff stops with me at all costs. And because of it, God has been faithful and has blessed. What about you? Where are you at? You want to make some memories? You want to touch some lives? I'm sorry, I can't, I can't focus here. It's an emotional time. But you need to understand it's a very special time. It's unique. You don't need to feel sad. What's happened has happened. Where you've been is where you were. You're not there anymore. Look where you are. The memories of my past are too raw. You wouldn't have liked me. I didn't like me. God did. There's a bunch of stuff I'm supposed to say and I can't get to it, so we'll just forget that part. But I will ask you this. Where are you at right now? What's God done in your life? What do you think God wants to do in your life? How many lives would you like to touch right here, right now? I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes for a second. Wherever you are right now in your life, whether you're on fire or not on fire, whether you even have a clue what that means, whether something has happened in your life, you have no idea where you are with God. I'd like to pray with you. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. If it's gotten cold and you want to get it rejuvenated and renewed, I want to pray with you. I want you to just slip your hand up if you're here this morning. Somewhere in this, God maybe has spoken to you or somehow you need to get it right. Now is your opportunity. I'm not going to wait long. I'm not going to beg you. All right. Anybody else? All right. God is for you. is not against you. God loves you. He always has. He always will. Pray this prayer with me out loud. Why don't we just all pray together? Say, Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. My life belongs to you. Take me, make me, mold me into your image. Help me to be a disciple maker today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.